Following Jesus in the present age is a perennial task. Join me, Ian Panth, biblical scholar and theologian, as I walk through the Christian scriptures and think theology out loud. If you want to dig deeper into the Bible or engage in God talk, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. I invite you to listen in on my daily personal reflections as I follow the Robert Murray McShane Bible Reading Plan. You can find this plan on, for instance, BiblePlans.org. I'm recording these reflections, or daily devotions, to provide one example of how one individual reflects upon and reacts to Scripture. My hope is that in listening in on my personal reflections, you, the listener, will be encouraged in the development of your own daily Scripture reading habits and begin to hear, to hear the Spirit speaking to you through the Scripture. These reflections are not examples of deep exegesis and interpretation. For that, you can listen to my Slow Walk Through Revelation series or other podcasts that I produce. Rather, I'm inviting you to listen in on how my Spirit responds to the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit as He speaks to me through this daily habit. Feel free to join me twice daily as I divide the McShane family reading into morning and evening reflections. The secret readings I keep to myself. Also, feel free to simply listen to the scripture reading and spend time with the spirit and the text to form your own habit of listening to the spirit in the text. This evening's reading comes from Acts chapter 5, and I will be reading from Joel and Anderson's uh, translation of the New Testament, which you can find on Amazon.com. I'm actually going to begin the reading with the last verse of chapter 4, because I think it fits better with uh, the events of chapter 5 here. So, um, 4... 36 will be included as I read Acts chapter 5. Now Joseph called Barnabas by the apostles, this is translated son of encouragement, a Levite, a Cyprian by birth, had at his disposal a field. He sold it, took the money, and set it at the feet of the apostles. But there was another man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira also sold some land. He, though, kept some of the proceeds for himself, and then brought a part of it and set it at the apostles' feet. His wife knew full well what he did, but Peter said, Ananias, why has the Satan filled up your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep some of the proceeds of the field for yourself? Was it not yours? Once you sold it, weren't the proceeds at your disposal? Why did you set this matter in your heart? You didn't lie to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. A great fear came over everyone who heard about this. The younger ones picked the body up, wrapped it up, carried him outside, and buried him. 
Three hours later, Ananias' wife came in, but she did not yet know what had happened. Peter replied to her, Is this what you paid for this piece of land? She said, Yes, that's it. So Peter said to her, Why have you agreed with each other to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out too. Immediately she fell at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead. So they carried her out to bury her beside her husband. A great fear came upon the entire church and upon everyone who heard about these things. Now many signs and wonders were happening among the people by the hands of the apostles. They would all meet together on the portico of Solomon, but nobody else was bold enough to associate with them. Nevertheless, the people of Jerusalem held them in high esteem, and more people, many men and women, were added to the faith in the Lord. Even in the streets, people would carry out the sick and put them on cots and stretchers, in order that when Peter would come by, his shadow might fall upon some of them. Even people from around the nearby towns of Jerusalem would come, carrying the sick and bringing those troubled with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest and all who were with him, namely the party of the Sadducees, took a stand. They were filled with jealousy, so they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in public prison. At night, though, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple. Speak to the people all the words of this life. When they had heard this, they went into the temple early in the morning and began to teach. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin and the entire council of the sons of Israel and sent for the, for the prison to have them brought. But when the temple guard arrived, they didn't find them in the jail. So they returned and announced, We found the jail locked, and everything was secure, and the guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. After they listened to these words, both the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were very confused about what was, this was all about. Then someone arrived and announced to them, Look, the men whom you put in the jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So the captain, together with the temple guard, went off to bring them in, but without the use of force. They were afraid that the people might stone them. They brought them in and stood them before the Sanhedrin. The chief priests asked them, Didn't we specifically order you not to teach upon that name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring the blood of this man upon us. But Peter and the apostles replied and said, it's necessary to obey God more than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. God exalted this one at his right hand as leader and savior in order to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these events, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and intended to do away with them right there. But a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin named Gamaliel, a teacher of the Torah, held in high honor by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to them, Men of Israel, pay close attention to what you are about to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas stood up and said that he was somebody, and a total of about 400 men joined him. But he was done away with and all who put their confidence in, in him were dispersed. It came to nothing. 
After him, Judas, the Galilean, stood up during the days of the census and got people to follow after him. He was destroyed, and all those who put their confidence in him were scattered. So now I'm telling you, leave these men alone and let them go. If this plan or work is from men, it will be torn down. But if it is from God, you will not have the power to tear them down. In fact, you might find yourselves opposing God. So they put their confidence in him. After calling the apostles in and beating them, they ordered them not to speak upon the name of Jesus. Then they released them. After the apostles left the Sanhedrin, they rejoiced that they were counted as worthy to be dishonored for the sake of the name. Every day, both in the temple and at home, they did not stop teaching the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah. That ends the reading of Acts 5 for this evening. So Acts 5, I already said that I included a verse from chapter 4, but I actually want to take a step back even further because there's something here kind of setting up the situation that occurs with Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, so I'm going to go back a little bit. Now the congregation of those who were of the faith was one of heart and, of one heart and soul. No one would say that his possessions were for him alone, but everything was held in common for them. The apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great power. A great grace was upon all of them, for there wasn't anyone who was needy among them. Those who owned fields or houses, or had them at their disposal, would sell them, then take the proceeds of the sale and set them at the feet of the apostles, who would then distribute it to everyone according to the need each one had. So that introduces these stories about Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. So Barnabas sells a field and gives the proceeds, presents it to the apostles, and the apostles distribute things. Uh, my understanding of what's happening with Ananias and Sapphira is they sell property and they it tells you they give part of it they don't give the whole i don't think the problem is that they're only giving part of it i think the problem is there's an element of deception here the problem is they're presenting it as if they're giving the whole so it's that it's that element of deception so right because he says like why are you lying to the holy spirit and when, when sapphira comes why have you conspired with each other to lie to the holy spirit so it's these the appearance of giving everything but actually holding something back but he, uh peter also says you know this this is your land you're free to give it or not and and that is as a key element here because one one of the things that i see going on because this is like one of the, the first stories we have of uh this new form of worship this new form of kind of going on with jesus teaching and what we'll get in uh the writings of paul which you know chronologically uh, compared to this story haven't happened yet but with the the people being the temple the holy spirit 
dwelling in the people. Uh, this story reminds me of a couple other stories in Scripture. So the one is the story of Achan, who, when they're supposed to uh, uh, go into Jericho, I can't remember. I think he steals from Jericho. It's either Jericho or Ai. But they're supposed to uh, totally uh, destroy these towns and take nothing for themselves. Because basically, that's a way of saying this is the one, God is the one that doing that's doing this, and everything belongs to God. So you're not going in with this first place. It's like um, the analogy of sort of like a first fruits. This is like the in battle, like the tithe. Like it is everything goes to God. So you don't take for yourself. And Achan uh, finds some nice stuff and he takes it. And uh, you know God. God already knows that that's what he's doing, but there's consequences for the whole, the whole people. They start losing battles, um, and the consequence of that uh, taking, and 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 at the beginning, right? It's like a really harsh is that Achan and his family are consumed by the earth; they die. So, and it's this really harsh consequence. Uh, that sets the tone of seriousness of what's going on um, as a dire warning for the future. Because really, like, uh, in, I want to say it's in Joshua. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, so it's in Joshua where, um, which we just did through in the, went through in the morning readings where they bring that story up when they're concerned that the trans- Jordan tribes are uh, engaging in uh, improper worship of the Lord because they set up an altar and they're very concerned and they bring up the Achan story. It's like, well, you realize that when Achan did that, it's not just Achan's family that died. There were other people who died as a, as a consequence and that was like the losing of the battles and, and stuff. So um, it's not like that one person's action uh, doesn't have any ramifications for everybody else. And the other story that I, I think is in connected in mind here with this as they're setting up this new form of worship uh, is uh, the, the very first uh, uh, acts of worship at the new tabernacle so this you'll find in leviticus i want to say chapter nine but they've just they're inaugurating the the tabernacle as this place of worship after they've um after the exodus they've you know the craftsmen have put this all together aaron's sons as the priests are given very specific instructions about what they're supposed to do and uh, in this case uh, it's like a very specific way of doing the incense and they decide to come up with their own 
incense and their own way of doing things and Aaron's son. So the very first act of inaugurating worship in the tabernacle is a uh, act of disobedience and they are struck dead. Uh, and Aaron isn't allowed to mourn for them because of his position uh, because, you know, he's speaking and acting on behalf of the Lord who just struck them dead. But it's this theme throughout scripture that, you know, you, you're inaugurating this new thing. Um, and in those very moments, and it's like, it's the Adam and Eve thing as well, right? It's like, you're inaugurating this new thing. And the first thing you, that happens is an act of disobedience. And the consequence of that for Adam and Eve, death, consequence of this new thing, the conquest for Achan, disobedience, death, consequence for uh, this act of disobedience in the temple and the tabernacle inauguration and that new form of worship for Aaron's sons, the priests, death, the consequence for lying to the Holy Spirit here. And I think that's, that's the issue. It's presenting a public face of, oh, I'm giving everything I have. And I'll, and I'll come back to that too but you're really withholding something and you're you're lying it's like well let's let's look like we're given all that we have but we're not really going to we'll hold some back um and i think that that's the issue and the result is death and it's not peter that kills them they they are struck down in that instant <clears throat> by uh god the holy spirit that dwells within them that's like no this is not this is not acceptable. And you don't see other stories like that. It's this initial, just like those other initial moments. It's like, no, this is, this is serious. This is, you are encountering the living God. And to do this and to, uh, uh, to incorporate that into your worship unchecked, that's, I'm, I'm making it very clear that that's unacceptable. So, you know, in our modern perspective, our way of reading, that probably seems pretty harsh. Um, the other thing that I'm struck by here is, so one of the things that Peter says is basically, like, it's your stuff, like you were... Let me see if I can find that. Was it not yours? Once you sold it, weren't the proceeds at your disposal? Why did you set this matter in your heart? You didn't lie to men, but to God. So, like, once you sold it, you could do, like, it, all this stuff is freely given. And I want, that's the another story that I want to go back to, which again ties to the initial inaugural of the tabernacle is everything given to make the tabernacle and the utensils and everything uh, it in Exodus it had to be freely given right it wasn't um, it wasn't taken from anybody you had to give it freely so you were also free not 
to give or free to give what you wanted to give. And that's part of what I think is also going on here as the people becomes the new temple. They were free to give or not to give. Uh, as he says, you know, once you sold it, that was at your disposal. The issue was their their deception and their attempt to have the appearance of giving it all and only giving part. I, The way I read it is they could have said, yeah, we're going to give this much. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but it's that, oh, we're giving everything. Except we're not. We're going to keep a little bit aside for ourselves here just in case things turn out bad. Um, and that, it, it's that deception that's going on. It's like you're, you're not dealing with just men here who you can manipulate and lie to. You're dealing with the Holy Spirit who, of course, sees into the hearts of men. And you have decided, having been given the Holy Spirit, to attempt to lie to the Holy Spirit. Um, so you're lying to God. But that, I want to come back to that a little bit in terms of the freely given thing. Because I've heard arguments that uh, somehow the early church and uh, communism go together. Being communal and sharing your things is not the same as uh, communism uh, or Marxism, right? It's, again, and it's precisely because it's freely given, right? So in, uh, in terms of the state, a communist state, the state owns everything and then it distributes distributes or supposedly distributes there has not actually been an example of the people at the top you know evenly distributing things to people that's the promise the utopian promise but it's the state that owns it the individual doesn't own it anymore right so and here we clearly have peter saying hey you you sold it as your property it's at your disposal the issue here was the, the honesty of it and the the shared communal life where everybody is in of one heart and mind or heart and soul is that they are freely sharing with one another. They're not being forced to share with one another. So I go back to Exodus and the temple and I think that's the, the example set is that you... With what you have and what property you have, what you've been given, you are free and encouraged to make sure that nobody in uh, among the followers of Christ is needy, but it's a free gift of what you have. I, in, in Exodus, is expressly stated that it's not to be by force or not to be given unwillingly. Um, or given double-mindedly as Ananias and Sapphira are here. And you'll see that throughout um, Paul's letters. He's often raising uh, support for uh, parts of the community that, don't, that are in more need. And he raises support in parts of the community that have more and are able to give. But it's always freely given. So being communal and sharing your... Uh, resources and making sure there's nobody in your community who's in need again freely giving 
is not the same as uh, state-run communism. So I don't read uh, Acts or any other texts in the, in the New Testament as having anything to do with uh, the modern communism, but I do see it as being a uh, within the Christian community uh, an encouragement and a goal to sh for those for people among the community to share what they have with others so that nobody in the community is at is at need and of course then that spreads out hopefully beyond the walls of of uh, the Christian community to others and uh, and historically a lot of what now is uh, done by the state were things that were set up by the churches right so originally the church did it and then these things work well and then that the state goes oh that's actually really good for the society as a whole and then it becomes uh, adopted in some kind of uh, legal state-run social function um, I do have a I yeah I think I will share a story about this so and that can be again this is this this has come up a couple times in these reflections that uh, what William Kavanaugh calls the migration of the holy so there's a certain sense in which then as as those things migrate those activities those social concerns uh, the welfare of others uh, making sure everybody has their needs met medical care whatever shifts to being something that we expect the, the state to do then um, in some ways we forget that that Christian and other uh, communities of of faith and religious communities did these things first and the state adopted them uh, and we come to rely on that there's a there's a danger in that we might forget that that's actually part of our activity and worship and there are times when the state feels state or individuals feel threatened by that so I've got a story that I think um, is in the end like a, a really powerful story so when just I feel like it was just before I left Vancouver so I moved from Vancouver in 2008 um, I feel like it was right around that time but it, I, I could be wrong but there was a uh, church in what was you know a fairly nice wealthy kind of neighborhood in Vancouver and that church had a soup kitchen and as I, I my impression was that it had the soup kitchen for a, a long time but of course, if you have a soup kitchen, you are attracting uh, the homeless or pejoratively like the, the riffraff, the, the uh, unwanted elements into that community, at least while you're giving out food. So there was uh, a movement to prevent that church from uh, continuing their uh, doing their, their soup kitchen uh, 
activity and the the government kind of sided with the people who wanted that soup kitchen to stop and their their argument was that you know as a congregation as a as a place of worship you are uh engage like what you you're supposed to be engaged in like things like your eucharist your rituals your whatever whatever it is you do um because we've got this you know social welfare thing and uh you don't need to do that well the exciting fascinating thing was once that was kind of being made the argument all the religious communities uh stood up and uh buddhist muslim uh mormon uh, I, like you you list it they kind of stood up alongside in solidarity with the church because for most of us <laughs> who have some kind of uh commitment to something higher than the state the insistence was no that is worship that the the giving out of the soup isn't an add-on that we do uh that's imitating the state no that is an act of worship that is what we are called to do and so once all these communities and of course these communities represent a large number of voters uh once all these communities stood up uh my my recollection is uh government backed down the 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 community that was concerned about uh the homeless and uh the undesirables coming into their neighborhood backed down and there was a reminder uh that these actions these sharing out of what we have like what are we collecting tithes for yes we need to keep our buildings running and our little programs reading but the idea of collecting tithes which should be freely given uh, is precisely so that we can make sure that the people around us aren't in need it's sharing our it's sharing of our wealth and our possessions uh, for the basic welfare and health uh, of our larger community so that is what i see as going on in that particular portion of the the text so you could go back and read i'm pretty sure it's leviticus 9 to 11 um and the the aiken thing would be at the beginning of the book of joshua uh the reminder of that is at the end of the book of joshua um so yeah these these stories of this is this is incredibly serious to god and that that veneer uh posturing of of pretending to give more than you do than you are uh it seems like god takes that pretty seriously <laughs> like if you just have the veneer of oh i've done i'm doing all that i can like it's it's your freedom to go this is this is what i'm going to give but that veneer of oh i have given so much like <laughs> i've given everything i have well then you're just lying 
So, and it seems like from this story, God takes that pretty seriously. Um, and maybe we ought to uh, pay attention to that. So those are just my thoughts as I read through Acts 5 today. Um, so join me again tomorrow morning as we continue to work through Judges and tomorrow evening as we continue to work through the book of Acts. Thank you for joining me for this evening's personal reflection as I follow through Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan, which can be found on, uh, for instance, BiblePlans.org. If you have found this helpful, encouraging, uh, have you found it a, a way to begin to form your own habit of daily Bible reading and to give you an idea of the just one person's way of reflecting on scripture, then don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the readings and reflections will be posted twice daily, a morning and an evening. The morning probably around 8 o'clock and the evening uh, I'll try to post for around 5 o'clock. But, you know, find that space and time, whether it's while you're driving uh, to work or riding the bus, or uh, for me, a lot of what I do is while I'm walking the dogs. And uh, yeah, just try to form your own daily habit and daily practice. So I hope you find this helpful. Uh, again, subscribe and select notifications so that you're informed of future podcasts. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Starcross Kingdoms. If you like this content, well, you probably already know what to do. Like, subscribe, and please share. Also, feel free to send in your questions. Just keep them friendly and conversational, and that way I'll be far more likely to respond to them. Until next time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.